It is uh, good to be with you today. I um, looked back in the calendar and um, saw that uh, I was here last uh, January, a year ago. And then uh, my wife informed me, she said, no, that's not right. So that one got canceled because of weather. So uh, it's been quite a while since I've been here. Uh, it's good to be, be here and uh, it's a beautiful day uh, to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I would like to share with you a message in, in a, our home congregation. Um, I've recently had, had kind of taken our congregation through a study on the fruit of the Spirit in uh, Galatians 5.22. And um, I'm just going to read that uh, verse here of the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the, or you might call it the, the, the characteristic of a Christian life. And um, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so I kind of broke those down in a series of messages. And um, I just felt led to share um, this morning on the one on peace. Peace. Love, joy, and peace. Uh, a lot of these you could, you could say maybe... Well, love, for instance, is perhaps the most important. That's what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, that it is, it is the greatest. But uh, sometimes some of these others are overlooked a little bit. And, um, and it'd be curious to know what, what comes to your mind when you initially think of peace. Maybe for you, um, uh, peace is, um, well... Uh, an afternoon on the riverbank fishing. Or maybe it's when you and your wife are at, at home and all the children have gone to youth activities and it's just, there's peace. There's quiet. Um, and I can cert certainly relate to that. What, what really is peace that we have here in, in Galatians? This, this fruit of the Spirit. We're thinking of of things that, that come from uh, a life that is lived uh, by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit, and peace being one of those. Um, Webster, interestingly, defines peace as a state of tranquility or quiet or an absence of war. And so we can certainly think of peace in, in that um, aspect. We No one likes war. We don't like... Uh, conflict and and so you know uh, most people desire peace. Um, there are peace talks among uh, national leaders. Uh, there's efforts are continually being made to to try to achieve some sense of peace in the world. Um, and then about the time you think it's getting peaceful, then a balloon comes floating across your sky. Uh, the uh, Nobel Peace Prize actually is a result of uh, the work of Alfred Nobel, who said that it is this, it is to the person who shall have done the most or the best work for fraternity between nations. The abolition or reduction of standing armies and for the holding and promotion of peace congresses. So uh, if you achieve all of that, you might be a candidate for the Nobel Peace Prize. 
But what really is peace? If you look at the, uh, the Greek definition for the word peace here in this passage, uh, Strong defines it as a quietness, um, a rest, or uh, further to set at one again. Or perhaps to, to help us understand that phrase, to reconcile, to bring about peace. And that leads us to, to more of the spiritual meaning that we want to look at this morning is to, you know, what really brings inner peace. And it, it has something to do with reconciling something. Um, and you could maybe uh, put it in this, in, in this illustration, perhaps. Um, if you have a conflict with, with another brother, for instance. And in order for there to be peace, there has to be some kind of reconciliation, some kind of, of resolution to, to bring about a peaceful relationship. Uh, at least that's what we, uh, what we strive for, what we long for. Now, uh, first off, I'd like for us to, uh, I want to take you to a verse in Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. And this is the prophecy of, of Jesus coming. And he said this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so uh, this, uh, this Messiah that would be, would be coming is, is the Prince of Peace, the, the uh, well, the, the, the one that, that is peace, contains peace, he brings peace. So that's the prophecy that, that Isaiah had of him. Now, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, um, starting at verse 34. <clears throat> And uh, here we read, verse uh, 34, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now wait a minute. Isaiah just pre uh, uh, prophesied that he would be the prince of peace. And then Jesus himself makes these, says these words, Don't think that I came to bring peace. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, before you just get too confused on that, it's, it helps to just continue to read what Jesus was saying. And I'll continue, verse 35. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. 
Well, for me, that, that helps clear up any conflict that I may think exists in what Jesus said and what Isaiah prophesied. Jesus is indeed the Prince of Peace. There's no doubt. You see, the Jews at Jesus' time, they were, they were looking, perhaps they were thinking of this Prince of Peace. Maybe they were thinking of the words of Isaiah. I'm sure they'd studied that uh, in depth. And they were waiting for that person, that Messiah to come, and he would straighten out all the wrongs. And he was going to fix everything. You've, you ever met anybody like that? They, they're, they're hoping for uh, the right president, the right speaker of the house, the right person, whoever it might be. He's going to straighten out all the wrongs. And he's going to bring integrity back into whatever institution you're looking at. Um, he's, he's going to fix everything. And that's, what, that's, a, that's a human nature. We want... Um, we want that, we want justice to be done. And, and so, you know, the, the, uh, the Jews in, in Jesus' time, you know, they were under the thumb of, of the Roman government. And they didn't like that any more than you or I may not like our government or, or whatever. They had to pay taxes. They had to do things that they didn't want to do. Maybe they were charged too much by um, uh, the, uh, the, the tax officials. Uh, and, and we know that happened, uh, probably a lot. And so they were looking for this Messiah. He's going to come and, and he'll straighten all of this out. He will be the king that, 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 I, that Isaiah prophesied about. He'd be the king of Israel. He, he would fix everything. He would, he would get them out from under Rome. They could then be their own nation. And, and I'm just speculating here a little bit, you know, of, of what's probably going through their mind. And so Jesus counteracts with this. He says, do not think that I came to bring peace. In other words, he's saying, I didn't come to be that person that in your mind that you're looking for. He, he says further that he came and in, 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 in what he was doing and what he would accomplish, it would indeed bring unrest among many people. Not because of him, but because of their own perception of what they were looking for. And so he talks about it in some other passages of this division that would happen. And you know, I've seen that division. I've seen families divided and split apart because someone in that family chose to follow God. They chose to, to leave uh, the direction that their family had been going for generations and, and start out on their own as a first-generation Christian. And I have seen this, this in light of a father um, uh, being with animosity toward his son and, and family relationships that are, that are so bad that they can't even get together for Christmas or have a family reunion. And most of us don't understand what that's like. But it's real. It doesn't happen all the time, thankfully, but sometimes it does happen. And when Jesus comes into the picture, he can bring about that kind of division. 
On, uh, in verse 34, I ran across, I think this is just a, a commentary in a study Bible that I have. It says, at first glance, the saying sounds like a contradiction of Isaiah 9, 6 and Luke 2, 14, where he talks about peace on earth to men. And John 14, 27, my peace I leave with you. It is true that Christ came to bring peace. Peace between the believer and God. A peace among humans. Yet the inevitable result of Christ's coming is conflict. Conflict between Christ and the Antichrist. Conflict between light and darkness. Conflict between Christ's children and the devil's children. This conflict can occur even between members of the same family. And that was my point in that illustration. And so, yes, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but sometimes the introduction of that peace, it brings conflict. Conflict between light and darkness. Conflict between good and evil. Conflict between what is right and wrong. And so Jesus said in verse 38, He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And that's where the rub comes. That's where the... The conflict is. That's where, uh, that's the well, where we find peace that is not the kind of peace that maybe we're looking for. We can't sit on the riverbank and fish, and because there's conflict. <clears throat> so this peace, you see, is something different. It's it's something that is is different than than. Um, you know, the, the, the peace that we have when, when we just have a relaxing evening and, and everything's quiet. We're talking about something deeper, something that actually is, is more substantial and, 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 more, uh, and it has more longevity to it and it's real. In Colossians 3.15, we read this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. You see, this is the peace that the Prince of Peace came to bring. The peace that rules in our hearts. Um, the, the peace that, that changes our lives. It may not bring peace in all of our circumstances and relations with other people. But it will bring a, an everlasting peace in our heart that... that uh, supersedes all relationships that we may encounter. You see, peace is a heart issue. It's something that happens within our heart. It's not something that we see around us. Uh, as the artist has, has typically portrayed uh, the picture of peace, and, it's a, and I think it was a drawing of a ship in the midst of a storm. And, and that's not peace. The disciples knew about that. You know, when they were in the middle of that, how could Jesus be sleeping in the boat? This is not peaceful. What Jesus was bringing was not the peace around us, but the peace that is within. So it is a heart issue. And until we are willing to address that heart issue and, and to have a change of heart, we will never experience the peace that Jesus comes to bring. It will evade us. We will never experience it. Until we are ready to deal with a sin problem, we will not experience peace. Until we allow the, the Prince of Peace to rule in our hearts, we will not know what peace is. 
And so we can sort of conclude there are two kinds of peace. Peace around us, and, and that's what the world's looking for. Uh, that's, that's what the Nobel Peace Prize is promoting, is peace around us, or the peace within us. Isaiah prophesied of a perfect peace. A perfect peace. In, um, in Isaiah 26, um, he said this, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's the real peace. That's the inner peace that he comes that, that comes only from the Prince of Peace, and that is the perfect peace. How do we find it? What is this true peace? Where do we where do we go to find it? Well, peace can be found in some unlikely places. And you probably know where some of that is in the midst of conflict. In the midst of conflict is where we often find peace. <clears throat> There's a, a familiar hymn, it's probably in your book, um, written by Edward Bickersteth Jr. in 1875. And uh, he was vacationing in uh, Harrogate, England, um, and he heard a sermon on Isaiah 26.3, the passage that I just read, by Canon Gibbon. Um, the minister related that the Hebrew text uh, used in the word peace twice indicated absolute perfection. And the idea was still on Bickersteth's mind when he visited a dying relative um, later that day in the afternoon. And uh, to soothe the man's uh, emotional turmoil, uh, Bickersteth opened his Bible and he read this passage from Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. <clears throat> and, um, and then Bickersteth wrote down uh, some lyrics that came to his mind, just as they appear today in the familiar hymn uh, that we sing perhaps quite often. And he read them to the man. Uh, maybe it was the last thing this man heard before he passed on. But the words go like this. Peace, perfect peace, in this dark world of sin. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. And as I read these, these verses, I want you to be thinking about the conflict too. Peace, perfect peace, by thronging duties pressed. To do the will of Jesus, this is rest. Peace, perfect peace, when sorrows, with sorrows surging round. On Jesus' bosom, naught but calm is found. Peace, perfect peace, with loved ones far away. In Jesus' keeping, we are safe and they. Peace, perfect peace, our future all unknown. Jesus we know and he is on the throne. Peace, perfect peace, death shadowing us and ours. Jesus has vanquished death and all its powers. And then finally, 
it is enough. Earth's struggles soon shall cease. And Jesus call us to heaven's perfect peace. You see, each one of those phrases, it mentions a conflict. Something that, that we don't think about as peaceful. But those are times where peace is found. In the middle of this dark world of sin. Or by all of the responsibilities we have. Or sorrows that are surging around. Or loved ones far away. And the list goes on. Those are the moments where we find peace. Those are the moments when the Prince of Peace, when He's ruling in our hearts, we can take comfort in, um, as opposed to those who have not experienced that. Interestingly, after uh, one of Bickersteth's sisters pointed out that there was nothing specific in the hymn about physical suffering, um, he said, well, that's soon remedied, and he took an envelope and wrote down the following verse on the back of it, and apparently was never published. Uh, peace, perfect peace, mid suffering's sharpest throes, the sympathy of Jesus breathes repose. He was quite a writer. So, what really is the peace inside? I want us to look at some scripture so that we can, can be sure we have a grasp and understanding on what this inner peace really is, how we experience it, and uh, and how we can live a, a life of. Peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So these are really words of comfort that Jesus was offering. Quite different from what he had shared um, in another passage there earlier, that he came not to bring peace, but a sword. He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Okay? So it's not the kind of peace that we're going to find out here in the world. It's not the kind of peace that we're going to find what, what everyone else is pursuing. Even though it's nothing wrong with, with a, a quiet afternoon on the riverbank. Okay, but that's not what we're pursuing. We're pursuing a, an inner peace that, that is real, that's genuine, that will help us in those times of conflict. It will help us when we face those circumstances, when, when we, we think that there, there can't be any peace here. But God's peace is always there and it can rule in those situations as well. You see, this peace is only going to come when we have a relationship with Him. That's the only way we will achieve it because Jesus is the author of it and he's the one that brings it. He says, I give it unto you. He says, my peace I give to you and it's different than what the world gives. So let not your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. And then Paul wrote in Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the peace. It, it is only with a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can have that peace with God. It is a, it is a, um, a restoration of a broken relationship. A broken relationship that goes all the way back to Adam when he sinned, and that relationship that, that he had with God where he, 
you know, God walked with him in the garden and they had this beautiful relationship and, and it was broken because of sin. And, and so here in Romans, we see that that is all being reconciled. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. And that's a real peace. It's genuine. We will never find it by seeking after the world and its pleasures. There are a lot of people that they're looking for, for peace and they're, they're pursuing it through, through many different circumstances, through wealth and uh, it's usually through wealth. They want money. They think money's just going to answer all the questions. It's going to solve all of the problems in my life. Well, I'm here to tell you that doesn't happen. Most of you know I spent uh, quite a few years of my uh, younger life as a paramedic, and, and I saw a lot of things in, in a, different, a lot of different homes, and, and some of the most striking ones, well, I remember this one particular, we went to a, uh, to a house that was a very prominent place. If I mentioned the name, you probably, some of y'all would recognize the name as well. Um, well, the, the Leggett store, what used to be, which is now Belk, um, the Leggett family, uh, at least one of those generations, grew up in South Boston. And uh, there's still a big Leggett farm uh, within the town limits. And um, quite a number of years ago, um, we received a call. I forget what the, the complaint was, but as we were getting closer, I realized, I said, this is, this is the big Leggett house. You know, nice, big, spread, grand entrance, paved driveway. Everything looked very elegant, <clears throat> and uh, I still remember the thing that struck me when I entered into that house. It was anything but peaceful. I mean, it was basically trashed, you might say. And and here were, were these people and or this person who had all this wealth, and they had all the answers that the world tells us that would bring them peace and satisfaction, and there was no peace. There was no peace in this situation. And yet, you know, some of the most peaceful places I've been to were to the homes of people that had basically nothing or very little. And there was often much more happiness and peace in those situations than what I would see in a place where the wealthy dwell. You see, we can't find peace by seeking after the world's solution, and, and going after all of its pleasures. Instead, it will exist and it will thrive in conflict, in the chaos, in the troubles of the world. That's where peace is going to thrive. <clears throat> in um, Romans 14, verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, that's where peace really is. It is the, the kingdom of God is not all of these earthly things. It is, it is God's kingdom. It's heavenly. And that's what we are a part of. And righteousness and peace and joy we find in that relationship, a relationship with the Holy Spirit and with God. <clears throat> so where does this peace come from? <clears throat> Psalms 29, verse 11 says, The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless 
his people with peace. Peace only comes from one place. And we're not going to find it by, by going out and, and, and trying to achieve it on our own. But it comes from the Lord. Um, the psalmist is writing this before, obviously, when uh, Jesus came on the scene. And, and Jesus came and he said, I give you this peace. But even way before that, he said, the Lord gives his people peace. He will bless his people with peace. <clears throat> and then Paul wrote to uh, the church at, at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 14.33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Now Paul is obviously talking about um, relations within the church. And, uh, and, and that's a good place for us to consider peace. And how does it, how does it affect us? How does it uh, re relate to us when it comes to our churches, and our church families? And how do we uh, achieve that? How do we maintain that kind of peace within our own church family? Well, it goes back to the Prince of Peace and having him rule in our hearts. If we have that peace in our hearts, then, then it, it will give us the ability to work together with each other to maintain peace because God is not the author of confusion. If there's confusion, it didn't come from God. It's coming from somewhere else. <clears throat> so that's where it comes from. It comes from Him. How do we obtain it or how do we find it? Well, there's a number of scriptures here that, that indicate this truth that it is something that we have to pursue. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to fall in our lap. And, um, but it's something that we have to actively pursue. Um, it's some, well, let me just read these, these uh, passages of scripture here and let that speak to you. Psalm 34, 14. Depart from evil... And do good. Seek peace and pursue it. He said that, that's a, a conscious choice that we have to make. If we want uh, to experience this peace, then he's saying, depart from evil. Turn from it and seek peace and pursue it. Go after it. Um, we have to uh, go after it if we want to achieve it. In Romans 14, 19, he says, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which by which one may edify another. And there again, we're, we're talking about our relations with people and, and relations with, with one another and our brothers and sisters. Um, we have to pursue that. There may be times when you have to make a conscious choice that you're going to be peaceful about this or that issue. You're going, you're going to decide for yourself that you're going to make peace so that you can edify one another, so that the body can grow together and can work together in harmony. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee, you see, it's often it's turning away from something, fleeing from something, um, uh, departing from evil, fleeing youthful lust, leave those things behind 
and pursue peace. Pursue the things that edify each other. Pursue the things um, that will build one another up and will build yourself up. Pursue the things that will help you to achieve peace and to have a relationship with God. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people. Um, it's, it's not always easy to, in fact, it's, it's easier to have conflict. And I've seen that happen many, many times. It, it's like some people, to me, apparently enjoy conflict because they keep creating it all the time. And he said instead, of, we need to be ones that pursue peace. Peaceful relationships with each other instead of, as, as the old saying is, stirring the pot. You know, it's, it's such a tendency sometimes we like to, to stir things up and, and, and maybe we do it and we don't even realize it. But if we consciously pursue peace with others, with each other, uh, it, is, it is like medicine that flows into the wound and is healing. Um, it doesn't mean we will always achieve it, but we can pursue peace as much as it's possible on our part. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people. Again, that's the one, I'm sorry, that's the one I just read. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. And there I think um, Peter was the writer there. I, he was simply quoting Psalm 34. Um, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's the way we will find it. Well, what is the effects of peace when we pursue it that's what we want we 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 um, are going after we want to be peaceful people we allow the the peace of god to rule in our heart what is what's the effect acts 9 31 says this then the churches throughout all judea galilee and samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the lord and in the comfort of the holy spirit they were multiplied and that's a fascinating picture there when you, you see these uh, churches, they, they came together, they were peaceful, they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were filled with, with uh, the Prince of Peace in their hearts. And it said they were edified, they were strengthened, they were growing, they were walking in the fear of the Lord, they were experiencing the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and... They were multiplied. It's nothing greater to see than, than to see the body of Christ multiplying and churches are growing. Um, we uh, at, at home are still in search for a church building or property um, to find a play. We're still renting the facility we are. So we've had some options that fell through and and different things. And, and uh, one of the options of obviously, is, is looking for other church buildings that are already there. And, um, you know, it's amazing to me how many churches that are on the, on the verge of folding up because they just don't have anybody there, especially after COVID. Um, it's just uh, some of them, um, there's one church that we drive by occasionally, um, and on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening, I don't think I've ever seen more than two cars in this church building. 
I actually stopped and talked to the pastor and wanted to know if they were uh, interested in selling. And he said, no, they're not ready to sell yet. <clears throat> but, um, you know, if, if there is peace in our hearts and, and, and there's a vibrancy within the body of Christ, it's going to multiply. It's going to grow. And it's going to have an effect on, on those around you and the people that, that, are, that are looking in from the outside, so to speak, at your church, your congregation, our churches. When they look in, what do they see? Are they attracted, and they will be, by the peace that is among the brotherhood? I'll just share this. of One dear brother in our church, like uh, many that I've met, have come out of so many places that were in conflict. And, and they, they came and they've been hurting uh, because they were hurt. And, and, and they came and, and they saw peace. And that's what attracted them. That's, they, they wanted it. They longed for that peace, uh, a place of healing. And, and not because of us, but because of the Spirit of God was there, they experienced healing, and they still do. Um, and that's what it should be, and that's what we strive to be. So we can have that peace, um, and it will have its effect on others around us. Ephesians 6.15 says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There's the action. And, and I think it's a reason why he, he related peace to what we put on our feet. Because it's something we have to pursue. It's something we have to go after. It's something that, that we need to, to uh, pursue um, in our relationships with other people. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And, and the word gospel is in there for an important reason too. I think that is the message. That is... That's what we're, we're here for is to share the gospel. Nothing else. We're not here to promote anything else other than the gospel of Jesus Christ with peace. There's lots of other things that, that come with that perhaps, but we need to keep that as our primary focus. And so, well, there are two things that we mentioned. Um, I suppose when you have communion, you probably answer some similar questions. And two of those questions go like this. One is, do you have peace with God? And the other one is, do you have peace with your fellow man? And, and we may or may not answer those questions the same. It could be differently. But uh, the peace of God, let me just uh, read some passages here. Um, Romans 5, the uh, first nine verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith unto this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, is given, who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone 
would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. And so that is simply describing the relationship that we can have with God. A relationship that, as I said, was broken with Adam. But now we have that relationship back with him. And so we have that peace when we are justified by faith. Also, um, to to think more of that reconciliation thing, uh, let's go to Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Um, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace." And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And so there's that reconciliation. We now have access to the Father because of him who brought peace. He abolished that to bring about peace. He said there in verse 15. And so we are reconciled. So that is the peace that we have with God. And then we also have peace with others, which is probably, um, you know, that's probably what we experience more on a daily level is this relationship with other people. 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, verses um, 11, let's see. So, uh, yeah, First Thessalonians 5, beginning verse 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace among yourselves. Um, That is that relationship with others. And that's what takes effort. That's what takes work. It's not just going to happen unless we choose to be peaceful and at least we choose to apply that peace in our relationships and relating with other people. And then uh, Romans uh, 14, beginning of verse 16. Therefore do not let your goods, your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. And so, again, the peace 
that, that we experience with other people is a peace that comes from God and, and that it is going to affect that relationship with us. And that will be the effect of it. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, verse 12, and I think I will conclude with this verse here. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Isaiah the prophet who wrote about the coming of the Prince of Peace. Also prophesied that we would experience it. That we could experience what he brings in our life. And, and we would go forth with joy. And be led with peace. And I trust the same can be for you. May the Lord bless you. We'll call for a song.